This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Well, hello there, Megan. Well, hello there, Melissa. Welcome back. This is our podcast, But Am I Wrong, starring us, two people who, it's ironic we have this podcast because we've actually never been wrong about anything ever. (laughs) If you are brand new here, hi, welcome. Join the family. Actually, I hate when people, I mean, I'm not, we're not their boss. I don't like when bosses call employees their family, but they also don't work for us. This is free. You're listening. Yeah. (laughs) For free. At your own free will, which some people tend to forget that they have a choice to listen to us or not. That is a good point. You are right. For the people who it pains you so much and you are so upset, I would say take out those um, gorilla glued earbuds from your ears and take a walk, take a nap, meditate. Do some self-care. Something you actually enjoy. Masturbate. (laughs) Might get some frustration out. Oh, you know that they're pent up. There is no beans being flicked. Yeah. Let me give you like a lowdown on the podcast if you're new. So we are going to talk about things in our life that have currently happened where we'll decide if we are the hero or the villain and then things in your life, reading your emails, and then we'll talk about it in pop culture. Then you can head on over to our Instagram if you're listening to this on Thursday, the day that it's released. It will be posted on Friday. We will have Instagram stories for you to vote on who you think was wrong in each of the situations. And I feel like since getting rid of the slider, we have less people doing it wrong. Mm, I feel like people are just tired. Yes. (laughs) I I don't feel like we have no one doing it wrong, but I feel like it is less by a couple percent. If you miss the slider, we get it, but we can't please everyone. I personally prefer the slider, but too many people are messing up. Also, read through all of them first before you vote. Just let, when you see it coming up, move your hand away from your screen. Just put it underneath the back. Let it play out and then and read it thoroughly. Then come back and put your votes in. You know, take your time. And I was also going to say, too, while you're listening to the podcast, open your like notes app on your phone and just be like, as we go through each thing, be like, this is who I think was wrong. This is who I think was wrong. This is who I think was wrong. And then you can cross reference it because sometimes people forget what the episodes were about um, or like the specific things. You could also wait until Friday and then listen while you vote. Facts. Fucking facts. You've got choices, guys. You do. So what's new with you? I wouldn't say anything really is new, except for I got this new chair. (gasps) Cute. Okay, gamer girl. It's not a gamer chair, though. It's an office chair. Is that not the same thing? No. The gamer chairs have, like, headrest and, like, they're, like, foamy. I thought they were just pretty office chairs. Oh, okay. Uh Uh-uh. When you see a gamer chair, it's a gamer. Like, you know it's a gamer chair. But this one has a nice curve in the back. Grace had actually posted, I need a good chair. And then I said, tell me what your results are. (laughs) And so, yeah, I got the chair. It's a great chair. Is it exciting? No, but it's a chair that I could also remove the arms from, which I also like to sit cross-leg. So that was a big thing for me. So here I am in a new chair. I'm not feeling sick anymore. And I also, actually, I'm going to save that for my, but are they wrong (gasps) next week? So. Oh my God, T. We have to wait a whole fucking week for it? God damn it. (laughs) Because I got another one that's more timely right now. Okay. Well, I'm happy to hear that you're not feeling sick. It is like a constant every day in the age of Omarion, constantly wondering, is it allergies? <laughs> Am I sick? Yes, that's exactly what it is. I got two COVID tests that came back negative. I also feel like because I changed going from Arkansas to California, it was a different LA. It's a different climate. 
different atmosphere to breathe. Well, it's the same atmosphere, but different yeah. things that layer it. I can't think of the word right now, but yeah, I feel much better now. Hell yes. I was just telling Melissa that I made the rookie mistake of being like, oh no, I have COVID. Taking a COVID test. But before I took my COVID test, I did, you know, take my allergy medication and my COVID test came back negative. And then about 45 minutes later, my allergy medication kicked in and I felt sprightly, wonderful, amazing. I went, "Mm, Megan, you haven't vacuumed in a week. That's what this is. You have allergies. (laughs) So I relate. Well, I was going to say like my update and like life is very related to my, but am I wrong? Because it's something that is like consuming my entire life. So before we get into it, you want to explain what, but am I wrong? Yes. So this is where we will talk about things that are currently happening in our lives recently, or we'll do like extreme hot takes. And I will basically ask you, you will ask me, am I wrong in this situation? And then you guys Mm -hmm. will all let us know and vote. So should I start? Because I'm heated. Yeah, you've already you've already started. I just interrupted you. True. So you could explain. So I have beef with the real estate metaverse. Like just every fucking (laughs) facet of it. It's driving me crazy. Mats and I are trying to buy a house. We have been on again, off again, kind of like perusing and looking never really seriously up until the end of last year. And really like we got approved end of last year and we're able to start making offers now, beginning of 2020. So we have until I think it's April maybe or May before we would have to re-sign our lease. Mm -hmm. So there's a time crunch, but I knew how horrendous real estate was. I didn't realize to the extent of how corrupt and unethical all of it is. And like, it's just low-key blowing my mind. So there was this house that we really liked that we toured and it was below our budget. And I will say, I am so realistic when it comes to this stuff because I grew up in Marin County, like a very expensive place. So like, I understand that I grew up in places, not my home specifically, but like places that it's like, oh yeah, your house is under 2000 square feet. Uh, Yeah, that's a $3 million home, like for sure. No houses cost below a million dollars, really. So I have like a a concept of that and I pay attention to the market. I see what things are listed as and what they sell for. And so our offer on this house was almost $200,000 over asking. And like the Mm -hmm. house is cute, but it's 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 not like mind-blowing, perfect, like amazing. It needed some work. There were laminate floors in the kitchen. Like there's no closets. The primary bedroom suite had been like converted into an office with, again, laminate floors. And it needed a bunch of new flooring, needed all of this stuff. And it ended up going for over $400,000 over asking cash offer. That means that they listed it too low to begin with. They definitely listed it. We I would say like probably like $100,000 like too low or like $50,000 too low. But it was over $400,000 cash offer on this home with laminate floors. Oh no, not laminate. I'm sorry. Linoleum. Like cafeteria yeah. fucking linoleum floors. Yeah. And it was a nice house, but it just, it wasn't great. Like No, it was one of those things that I'm like realistic. Yeah, it's like this is in our price range. This is a nice house. We can live here, but it's not dream house, you know? No, and (laughs) this sounds so fucked, but like it was nobody's dream house. Like I was like, there's no way we toured so many other homes that are so much more like L.A., Like they're Mm -hmm. like, you know, location wise more like that. But even just the staging and the styling of the home, like the black wood floors with like all the Z gallery furniture that's like a foot off, like really everything's really low to the ground and like, you know, like Lalabo candles everywhere. Like it wasn't that like I was like, who the fuck are we competing against? And there was 14 offers. Wait, was that house stage? Because it looked like the people just, it was just. I, that's what I was going to say. I don't think that was. I was going to say, I don't think I know, was. Okay. No, definitely not. <laughs> Which again, that's also a, a house that's not staged. 
usually does not go for as much as like these staged ones. Exactly. And so it just felt so fucking realistic to me. It didn't feel realistic that we would get the first offer and it didn't feel like we were going to get it. Like, that's not what I assumed. But I, in no part of my brain, did I fucking think that it was going to go for $400,000 over asking cash offer. Like it just Mm -hmm. blew my fucking mind. And as like, we're doing this more and more, LA surprisingly, and I guess it's because we're just in this market. For 2021, 16% of the house purchased in California, I think LA LA specifically, 16% were cash offers. But then Palm Mm -hmm. Beach, Florida, it's like 60% of them. So like it's everywhere, but usually Mm -hmm. California cities like LA and San Francisco and then New York City proper, Chicago, Denver, All of those like bigger cities have usually not been cash offers because the houses themselves cost a lot more, but it's like inching up to the point now where we've talked to our real estate agent and we've talked to our friend who's a real estate agent that unless you have a solid two years to kind of look for a house or you're willing to offer $800,000 over asking, unless you have a cash offer, you're kind of screwed. And it's kind of just like the baseline level, which has blown my mind. And from what I've gathered, it's either like boomers and people who have sold their houses and they have the cash to do that. But mostly it's those people who have the cash who are then buying it for their children. Mm -hmm. Every single house we go to, it is kids with their parents and their parents are looking around and doing all of it. And it is just royally fucked. And like, we do really good financially. We're like, we're not struggling by any means. Mm-hmm. We're in like a, I don't know what percent, but like a top percent. Yeah. I mean, you guys are both, you know, employed and make good money yeah. and have good credit because I know Mott's is really on that. Yeah. So it's frustrating when you, you're doing everything right and other people are just buying you out and then you're stuck in this limbo. And then also it's it's just all about, you know, capitalism versus ethics. Well, that's the other part that it's like so freaky to think that like Mots and I who are financially better off than a vast majority Mm -hmm. of the country, if we can't get a house, how the fuck is anybody else supposed to? Right. And then in combination with that, you have real estate agents and flippers who usually are in real estate and usually get into it because either they're in it or they have a family member in it because you need capital to become a flipper. They buy the Mm -hmm. homes that are actually within the price range of people and they're putting these fucking cash offers on these homes, flipping them and then making them even more expensive. So then literally everybody's yeah. pushed out. Nobody can buy houses. It's essentially insider trade. Yes, and I don't know how it's fucking legal. I mean, I do because capitalism, but like. Yeah, it's happening everywhere. It's even happening like in my part of Arkansas. Arkansas, um, I was reading a whole article. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. It's crazy because the uh, headquarters for a lot of things that happen in the world are right there in Northwest Arkansas. Walmart's there. Tyson Chicken's there, which provides all the chicken for most places in the United States. And then the J.B. Hunt Trucking is there, which is the trucking company that controls most of the things that are getting shipped out. And so anyone that's selling anything in Walmart has a corporate office there. And then tech people are moving in and also the film industry is moving in. And there are billboards in other parts of the country saying, come to Northwest Arkansas. You can get a house for half of what you're asking for here for cash and it's twice as big and my sister Megan is also looking to buy a new house and she was talking about how a lot of people that she knows that work in real estate they're just buying up the houses and then it's just driving up the market even more so it's just messed up yeah it's so messed up and I saw this TikTok apparently there I think it is specifically northwest Arkansas where they're kind of doing that thing that Alaska did where they would pay people to come move there and they're doing that and it's like Mm -hmm. There's all of the locals were being like, I'm sorry, we're all getting priced out of like the homes or our apartments and stuff. And now you're paying people to come move here from cities where the Mm -hmm. minimum wage is much higher. So like they're they Mm -hmm. have their value of a dollar is much higher than ours. And then they're fucking us over even more like it just feels so wildly unethical and corrupt and like overseas people like doing investment properties. Like I will look at a house on Redfin, save it. Beautiful. Love it out of our price range, but like something I really like, that's like probably only a couple hundred thousand dollars out of our price range, but I know it'll go for more than that. It sells and then you immediately see it on Zillow for rent the next week. Mm -hmm. And 
when you see the listing price, you can estimate how much the mortgage is going to be. And then you see that the rent that they're charging is six times the amount of the mortgage. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's Ugh, disgusting. It's horrendous. And like, especially in LA, like just the way that people talk about it too, it drives me crazy. Like the descriptions of like an up and coming neighborhood. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, this is one of the oldest neighborhoods in Los Angeles and has had like one of the biggest, like one of the original populations of Los Angeles was in this. So what do you mean it's up and coming? You mean white people or like they'll use mm-hmm. gentrifying as like a positive adjective. And I'm like, the disconnect is fucking right. insane. Yeah. <sighs> so if anyone thinks I'm wrong, I will know that you are a flipper and that you are inherently a bad person. Well, I do not think you're wrong. Thank you. So mine is more of a hot take <gasps> and it has to do with milk. Okay. I couldn't tell if you were frozen no. or just thinking. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> wondering where the fuck this is going. Okay. So we, the people, you know, as mammals, we drink the milk of our mothers oh god I and hate then this. Okay. <laughs> and then at a certain age we were like you know what we're too and i'm talking from someone that lives in the united states i just want to specify this is united states specific this is my observation i have not done any research in this perfect i mean that's what a hot take is anyway so we as people as mammals as people that come out of our mothers and then drink their milk for sustenance. And then at a certain age, we get to the point where we're like, you know what? Too old to be doing this. But you know what's still cool? Drinking the milk out of a cow. <laughs> another mammal. Another teat. <laughs> yeah, another teat that is supposed to be, you know, for a baby calf. But it produces great things like cheese and butter and all those dairy products. Why is it weird that we're done drinking from our own mother and then we're drinking from another mother? One thing. Then two, who was the first person that was like, I'm going to drink that? From a cow? (laughs) I think about that. All the, that and how the fuck they came up with popcorn. Those are the ones. Yeah. So who was like, I'm going to drink that from a cow because that's going to be good. And then they got everyone else on board. It's like, we're all doing this and it spreads everywhere like wildfire. We're all drinking this. But then in the United States, we stopped breeding cows that had like the A2 protein in them. And so when we get to a certain age, our body just rejects it. It's like, we can't have this dairy anymore. So then we were like, you know what? We're going to steal from another culture and we're going to start drinking soy milk. So we started doing that. And then all this research that I think came from Big Almond was like (laughs) soy milk. (laughs) It makes men have titties and women, your tits get too hard. (laughs) And so then Big Almond comes in and they're like, now we're just going to soak almonds in water and call it milk because we as people of the United States, we still need to have our milk (laughs) for some reason. So then we start drinking almond milk. And then, you know, other offshoots, there's like pea protein milk and like hemp milk and all these things. But then this big wave comes in. It's like, you know what's good now? Oat milk. And you know what's bad? It takes too much water to process almonds. So almond milk is bad now. So then oat milk comes in. And now they're at the top of the milk chain as far as like, California is concerned, I think, and probably New York. And I feel like at some point it will take over in the same way that almond and soy and cow did at one point or another. So that's my rant on milk. Why? Why are we so (laughs) obsessed as a culture that we need to have some type of milk? And all oat milk is, is just the (laughs) the juices from oat milk. (laughs) I have such a gripe with oat milk specifically because out of all of the milks, oat milk should be the cheapest by far. And it is so much more expensive, which I'm like, that is the world's biggest ripoff. Like almonds are expensive to produce. Macadamia nuts are expensive to produce. Mm -hmm. Cashews are expensive to produce. Oats are not expensive. 
And like, right. you are all being scammed. I will say it does taste this. Oh, I'm sure. I am. I know you can't have it, but yeah. I am a big oat milk drinker. I'm pro oat milk. And I also was a person. I fucking love milk, like cow milk. And it's just like, I could drink a whole gallon a day. Like, I love the coldness, just how it tastes. But then my body started rejecting it and I could no longer drink it. But why were we... F- like as children forced, I know that it's like fortified with vitamin D and calcium, mm-hmm. but it's fortified. It's not naturally <laughs> there. I mean, the calcium's naturally there, but like the other things are not naturally there. And then we had like all these celebrities just got milk commercials. Like it's so forced on us. Why is milk such a big, big deal? Dairy. Like literally big dairy. And then big almond came in. Yeah. Big dairy's gone. Then big soy, yep. then big almond. And now big oat is moving in. <laughs> it's just, I fully agree with you. I will say though, from like traveling to like Europe and other countries, they're still on the soy train. Every experience that I've had, yeah. I'm sure that it is similar. Like a lot of like restaurants in different places in, in like the States, like we'll have yeah. soy milk will be their only alternative. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's only like chic cafes mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. But that's why I was specifying yeah. that this is a United States thing. I feel like we constantly are looking for a new form of milk. And I just mm-hmm. feel like, why? And it's just yeah. like, I think we've <laughs> got enough. Like, I really hope we've reached our cap of like milks. But we have No, no. But we won't. We have not at all. And I just would like us to just like be done with trying to find yeah. more milk. And I do wonder if the first person who ever drank milk was it a squeezing bottle situation? Are we pinching? Or was they, it they put their mouth, mouth to the right teeth? up on that teeth? Mm-hmm. Was it farm to table, mouth to teeth? Or was it like, let me squirt it? Like, how mm-hmm. did that? It, you know what it was, though? It was they saw a baby calf drinking and they went, step aside, buddy. Let me suckle on that. <laughs> so exactly. weird. I also do think it is so like the 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 shaming of the breast milk and like that aspect of it. I think if breast milk was penis milk and it came out of penises, people would, it would be like, oh no, you have to, this is what keeps you young. You drink it every, like all of that shit. Like the United States specifically are like the most breast milk and like chest feeding adverse Mm -hmm. for after a certain age because like they're so weird. And I'm like, how do you think people in like rural villages across the world like feed their children? Right. I think it was Big Dairy. I think Big Dairy were the one that starts shaming. Again, I have done no research on this. These are just my thoughts and observations. Yeah, Big Dairy is trying to come for justice now. They're like, oh, please, like, drink our milk and all of that stuff. Like, we've been, we everyone went away, and, like, now you're on to the other things. And I'm like, Big Dairy, you're fine. And also, remember methane yeah. gas? Like, I think we're still pretty concerned about that. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're wrong at all. There's a conspiracy theory. Isn't there like a cowspiracy or is that a vegan movie? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sure that exists. You know, they say that our cows are milk so hard that they bleed and then they put other additives in it to make it white again because milk shouldn't be as white as it is. Wow. That's my hot take of the week. I've started writing down mine, so I've got a list going. Oh my God, I'm excited to hear next week's now too. Yeah. So now it is time for, but are they wrong? And this is where you listeners will send in your situations to our email at butamirongpod at gmail.com, 300 words or less. And um, you're going to let us know the situations in your life. And if you are asking us if you're the hero or the villain of the story. And I did want to note that we've done a lot of disclaimers before about like, please like read these aloud and all that stuff. And someone messaged and said that they understood where we were coming from and was definitely not our intention, but they're dyslexic. And it felt like, well, shit, I can't write in. Like, this is not something that is going to be doable for me with these like standards and stuff and felt kind of ableist. And I just want to say, totally own that. That was a, just a misstep on my part. Didn't think of that. That's on me. If it is something that is within your abilities to read over it and like read it out loud but please don't let that stop you from sending in an email and we're just going to self-correct anything like that and it's totally not a big deal and I just wanted to apologize if anybody felt singled out during that aspect of it the only thing that 
we do really want to stress is that we do this on Don't Blame Me Too, but making sure that you close out said email similarly to people who don't finish the calls. So making sure if you send before you're done, just resending a whole additional email with everything and not just like part of it. So do you want to take it away? All right. So I will take it away. My situation was that I was living with two friends, call them A and B. A was also dating C, a very close friend of mine. While we lived together, A started being a massive dick to me, being very cold, standoffish, and outright insulting to me. My therapist said it was bullying, LOL, and twice excused myself and another friend being sexually harassed. I started to feel very uncomfortable around them and decided to distance myself. I also vented about A to other friends, including B, and was at times a bit bitchy. A few months later, B went to A and C and told them that I'd been bitching. C confronted me angrily and ended our friendship. He knew A was being an asshole to me and did nothing about it, but was angry that I talked about A behind their back. Both B and C ended their friendship with me. Am I the asshole? Quick note, when you come up with names for people, I would so much prefer people if, if you could just say names, like make up I fake agree. names. Because I it's agree. no, my, my brain turns it into a math problem. And I know mm -hmm. it's not about math, but like when you have like variables as numbers, as letters there, like it, it's harder. Yes. Yeah, it's hard. I was going to say the exact same thing. It's hard for me to follow with letters. Please just come up with a name. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to say A is Alex. We're going to pick gender neutral names for everything. Mm -hmm. A is Alex. B is Blake. And C is Cameron. Okay. Alex, Blake, and Cameron. Okay. So you lived with Alex and Blake. Alex was dating Cameron, who was also a close friend of yours. Alex was being a massive bitch. But the thing is, you also vented to Alex, who was being a massive bitch to you, about Blake. And then Blake told Alex and Cameron that you were bitching. And then Cameron was mad at you. And now both Cameron and Blake ended their friendships with you. And I'm assuming that Alex did as well. <sighs> I think that you're wrong. And this is why. Because you did your venting already to your therapist. And then what you did was you started talking. To, you called it venting, but you were talking about whoever behind everybody else's like to everybody else instead of just confronting the person and letting them know that you're being bullied and they should stop and so I think since you were going around talking to everyone else and not the actual person then that made you in the wrong yeah I mean I think it's a tricky situation because they are like your roommates but I stand by the mentality of I'm not going to say anything behind your back that I wouldn't feel comfortable saying to your face and would I be a bitch if I said it to your face? Yes. But like, I would still do that. And usually that's not just based on confrontation. Like it's also based on circumstances. So it's like, I'm not going to talk bad about somebody who saying it to their face would direct, like really impact my life, like a landlord or like, I don't know, like a boss, like something like that, mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, this could really negatively backfire on me and my life and not just because I will like lose a friendship. So I think that, yeah, I also agree that I think you are, you were in the wrong. It is three roommates in general is so tricky. Yeah, you shouldn't be venting to your roommates about what's going on inside the home. That is like the biggest thing that like, if I could recommend to anyone, I first of all, don't live with your friends, don't live in groups of three. But if you're going to do either of those things, you do not talk bad about your roommate to the other roommate. That is what like a therapist is for. That's what like a long distance friend is for to like bitch about the stuff in your lives and things like that. It will get back to them. And I do wonder if like maybe you kind of like knew that. And when you're getting bullied as an adult, it makes you feel so small and it makes you feel really young. And I wonder if maybe the talking about everyone behind their back was kind of the non-confrontational way to get them to end the friendship for you. Mm -hmm. Or it was like you thought that they were going to take the information and then confront them and be like, hey, you're bullying this person. You need to stop. And you thought everybody was going to be on your side and they weren't. 
because they just saw it as gossiping and talking behind the back. Yeah. And I mean, when you then, if the person who's bullying you, you then talk bad about someone else to them, like that's not a person that you should trust. Someone who's talking badly mm-hmm. about you is not someone you should trust with information about like how you talk about other people. So I think like truthfully, they probably all like did you a favor in like the sense that like you don't like that this friendship is over over and I hope you can move out. But I don't think that they're innocent in any of this at all. But I think that like based on purely the circumstance that you said, I do think that you were wrong. But that doesn't make you deserving of being bullied or guilty or anything like that. We all make mistakes in that, especially when we're feeling othered by our peers and the people we live with. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It sucks. All right. Your turn. Okay. I, 23, she, her, flew across the country to meet an internet friend, 22, she, her, for the first time that I've known online for seven years. We've gone through breakups within two weeks of each other right before I booked the trip, and I thought this would be good for both of us. A week before I flew out, she asked if it was okay if her new boyfriend, 25, he, him, were to stay a couple of nights since he has a job where he doesn't get a lot of time to see her. I said that was fine, and she reassured me that we would have quality time together and that he wouldn't be staying the entire time I was there. She asked me if I was comfortable sleeping on the couch since she has four roommates I've never met. I said no. She said I can take her bed while they take the couch. A day before the trip, she told me her boyfriend was actually staying over starting that night and asked again about the sleeping situation. I said we could switch off between the bed and the couch because I was weary of sleeping in the living room. She didn't seem satisfied with that answer. I flew out and we met and it was great, but I took the couch because I felt bad asking for too much. I heard them having sex every night. Oh, her roommate threw a New Year's Eve party and my friend said she would make sure nobody was sleeping upstairs where I'd be on the couch. However, random drunk guys kept coming in and one guy even fell asleep on the other side of the couch. I was extremely uncomfortable and felt unsafe, so I ended up sleeping in her bathtub. We are both mad that her roommate didn't enforce the sleeping rules to her friends and she talked to her roommate about it. On top of this, I did not click with my friend's boyfriend as he was very standoffish. He ended up staying the entire week I was there minus the last night. I told my friend my social anxiety was coming out when I was around him and that I couldn't be myself around them because I felt like he was judging me. I was hoping for some more one-on-one time with her. I'm bi and not romantically interested in her. But she asked me if I had come with different intentions. I just wanted to have a besties trip. Am I wrong for being mad that she didn't think to spend more one-on-one time with me? I hate this girl not the writer the other one mm-hmm. i just can't like i'm sorry is this like a fucking shitty rom-com from like 2001 be like oh i'm i'm sorry do you have a crush on me is like that why you're so obsessed with me it's like oh no i just like want to be like i thought we were friends and i don't want you to like treat me like shit mm-hmm. doesn't mean i want to fuck you yeah wow i don't think you're wrong at all i think that like here i wonder if you said how old you were 23. Fuck that. Fuck that. Like, first of all, this should never be okay at any age, but this is some college bullshit. This is some 18, 19 year old. You're visiting your friend, like that kind of thing. But like, they are way too old for like this shenanigans and bullshit. I am on the fence. Really? Yes, but not about like the quality time and like them just hanging out together. This is what I'm on the fence about is. You went to visit this person knowing that they had four roommates and you said that you didn't feel comfortable sleeping on the couch. But I feel like if you're going to visit someone, that kind of is like you sleep where there's places available. And then, yeah, the roommate didn't enforce the rules about people not going upstairs to sleep. But then also it's like you went on New Year's Eve. It's harder to if you have a party, it's harder to control where people are at all times. Like there's four roommates and plus I'm guessing plus your friend. Like there's a lot of different things going on here during a very busy time where people are partying. We won't bring up the whole COVID <laughs> fact, but like, I don't think you can be bad about those things. I didn't realize um, that it was the, an additional roommate. I misread it. I thought it was that her friend threw said party. Mm-mm. No. Okay. That, that was yeah, another no, I, I, I see that. Yeah. So yes, be mad at your friend that they had their boyfriend over and they didn't spend that much time with you. And then they called you out like, or not even, they didn't call you out. They took out their own insecurities and asked if you were interested in them. 
be mad at them about that. But I, I don't think you can be mad about the other things. The only difference th- thing that I would say is that my assumption was that you would have been sharing her bed and that's where you would have been sleeping. And it wouldn't have been like a common area kind of thing in the couch. Because I feel like if you hadn't previously discussed that you would just be sharing her room with her and then you didn't talk sleeping arrangements until like right kind of before that I think is like an issue that like both of you should have addressed that earlier. But I think if like the assumption would have been like if I was visiting my friend, like I would be sleeping in their bed. And then if then they're going to have their boyfriend come stay, which then makes me now having to like sleep in a common area, which like I would not have done and I wouldn't have come and visited. Like it was under the guise of like, this was like something I felt comfortable doing and now it's not, but it's kind of too late to reschedule. So I think if it was that, then yeah. But I think otherwise I would agree with you on that end. If it's like, oh, they have four roommates. This is going to be a common area. That is something to kind of discuss ahead of time. But the boyfriend thing is annoying as fuck. Yeah. But yeah, the New Year's weekend thing, it does seem just kind of poorly coordinated. And then also, I would think if you like have been internet friends for seven years and then they spring up, their boyfriend's going to be there too. Like that sucks. Like that's not fun at all. Like I've had that before where I've like, I mean, I don't even, it wasn't like, friend but it was like friend who was like almost basically family but like you know not anymore kind of and I was like gonna go have a sleepover at their house and like it's out of state like I was there for a funeral or like some visiting family or something and her and I were gonna have a sleepover and I was so excited and then she (laughs) this is a harder one but she snuck her boyfriend in and like through the window and he had been secretly living there in her room and her parents didn't know. And like, we were like, she must've been 15. I was like 16, I think. Oh, gross. maybe even like a little bit younger than How that. How old was he? No, we were younger. I was 15. She, I mean, he was definitely probably older, but like, I remember when it was like, we got into a room, I was like so excited. And then it was like, oh, by the way, like he's going to be here. And this was like our one night to like really hang out. And I was excited. And then it was like, we're going to take the bed. Like you can like try and like sleep on the other side of like me in the bed, or like you can take the floor. And then I faked sick and I was like, pick me up. But yeah, so like, I understand that aspect of it. And like that kind of disappointing thing. I don't think that you're wrong. I think she is more wrong, Mm -hmm. like across the board. And I think there's a possibility that you are a little wrong. And there's a possibility that she is even more wrong. Yeah, I think that she's even more wrong. But I think that you went into it with kind of some unrealistic expectations. Yeah, that happens. You haven't seven mm-hmm. years, haven't met. You've like been. You've never met in person. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of build up. Mm-hmm. I had an internet friend for a while and then she was in L.A. And I was like, I actually don't think I want to meet you in person. Did you ever? <laughs> no. <gasps> What did she do? Like, she was coming to L.A. She wasn't coming to see me. Oh, she doesn't live here. No, no, no. She doesn't live here. Oh, okay. She was coming to visit L.A. And then, like, I was like, do I want to meet her in person? No. Because what if she sucks? And then that ruins our whole friendship. Like, some people, they suck in person. And then, but they're great online. So it's just like, we'll just stay internet friends. As somebody who's made a lot of internet friends, uh, I do think it is different with YouTube, though, because, like, you have far more seeing personality mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I've definitely met some internet friends that was supremely disappointing. And like the first time I met them, yeah, I was very much sold a very different experience the first time we yeah. were going to hang out. Yeah, because it's like we never video messaged or anything. We just like, you know, and you can edit what you're talking, you're saying before things. And so it's just awkward, you know, so I never met her. And that was that. Okay. There were no hard feelings between us. That's good. Yeah. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in a moment. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. 
And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Today's episode is brought to you by a sponsor we love, 310 Nutrition. 310 Nutrition is helping us, you, our listeners, in the new year with protein and superfood-rich products with so many options and flavors for your personal preferences. They're adding new products all of the time, and I just got my... I mean, I didn't just get my package. I just got a, 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 a secondary of my package. And I, as someone who needs electrolytes to function there, it's like elixir from the gods. I cannot sing their praises enough, specifically the cucumber flavor of this electrolyte mix is delicious. Like it's, it's so good. I've even like had it on like ice and been like I'm drinking like a drink drink like you can throw a little straw in there and and it's it's delicious it's so good and I just I love they're filled with so many great ingredients that really help if you're like me and you like you know medically need some electrolytes but also if you're working out if you're sweating hot summer day you're going to an amusement park you're on your feet for a long period of time all of that um most of us are not getting the electrolytes we need yeah I drink mine specifically when I am working out it's my beverage while I'm working out. I just take one stick of the hydrate, mix it in with my bottle of water. 16 ounces of water can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water if you got that hydrate in there. They also have the all-in-one shakes, which I absolutely love. I'm running low, so I got to get some more. But um, I love the chocolate bliss the vanilla cream the caramel sundae i have all three of those flavors sometimes i mix and match them sometimes i'll use it when i'm baking or i'll just drink it straight and it is they're so good they have a triplex protein blend plant-based proteins that include pea brown rice and pumpkin that makes it so delicious you can get fiber and superfood blends with more than 25 organic fibers and superfoods blended into one easy, delicious shake. And they also have three tins, four shake flavor starter kit, which lets you sample all the flavors for only $9. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with Don't Blame Me and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and super easy to put together an order, or you can start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code Blame Me right now for 50% off up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code Blame Me. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about Book of the Month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available and I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like, <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is it's kind of like a a straight shot into that and something that book of the month you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about book of the month is that every aspect of book of the month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress and as well there are reading challenges and rewards 
And Book of the Month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next, which for me is like the biggest hurdle. I love when other people make choices for me, especially when they're good choices. And I'm like, cool, I can trust you. So each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All of the books are so good. You can't go wrong. And I mean that wholeheartedly. When we were picking like our selects for this, I was like, wait, this, I like all of them. This is hard. And I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like, okay, so these are like my top ones. I'm assuming they will be yours. So don't pick the same one as me. So then we can swap afterwards. And that's what we did. So we got The Ministry of Time by Killian Bradley. And we also received The Return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean. The Ministry of Time is like, people are calling it like, if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books, it's quoted from town and country saying it's really innovative fun storytelling the ministry of time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must read books for spring 2024 and then harper's bazaar also said part time travel romance part spy thriller and 100 percent multifaceted joyride <gasps> when i tell you that i was like sold we're also excited about the return of ellie black and this one is about a missing girl who returns but that isn't the end of the story it's only the beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work, which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm -hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. back from our break and we're going to get into the rest of your messages and the rest of the show. <laughs> Hi, Megan and Melissa. I'm 23. She, her, and my co-worker who we'll call Petri Dish. I was like, is this a French name? For like Petri? <laughs> yeah. We'll call Petri Dish because they, just for people that are listening, it's separate into two words and petri, petri is dish. capitalized <laughs> yes and petri is capitalized and dish is not is 35 he <laughs> a few months ago petri dish <laughs> and i started flirting after a while some of our co-workers asked if he and i were hooking up he'd been telling them how much he wanted to have sex with me they told me to avoid him because he always goes after younger women and teenage girls at our job. Shocked. When I told him I wanted to keep things professional, Petri Dish started acting weird toward me. He'll ignore me one day, and the next day he'll ask if we're cool because I've been acting rude and hostile. He started purposely getting in my way while I'm walking, then tells me to move out his fucking way. The last time this happened, we got into an argument. This guy is known to have anger issues and I'm starting to dread going to work because we work the same shifts. He's relocating at the beginning of 2022 and I'm planning to leave soon since I won't have time next semester. But since I feel so uncomfortable, I spoke to a manager and they said they switch our shifts around. Deep down, I feel like I did the right thing, but there's still a part of me that feels like I'm in the wrong for bringing this up when we're both leaving soon. Should I have done something different? No. 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 It was a red flag. He's gross. Like It was a red flag when you're like, I'm 23. I have this coworker who's 35. And I go, whatever yeah. it is, he is the villain. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. You shouldn't feel bad. He was harassing you. You reported this to a manager. They should have. When things like this happen, you should write down every instant that something happens the date the time that it happened take notes you can put like a note in your phone or keep a little notebook or go to the bathroom and write stuff down and then give it to your manager so that you have like proof I mean it's still one person he said she said but you still have like a time log of things that happened that they did did you tell the manager everything that had been happening I understand they 
switch your shifts, but I feel like since you think that, and I'm assuming, but that since you said something to them, to the manager, and you feel bad about it because you're both moving on anyway, that you may not have told everything that happened. So what you did, you did the right thing, but they also should have fired him. Yeah, I mean, I think that this seems like they're probably protecting him considering your coworkers mm-hmm. told you that he repeatedly goes after younger women and teenage girls at the job that you're all at. That yeah, it does seem like they're protecting. I will say like just as like a rule of thumb, if you are in this specific case, like let's say like a woman or like any AFAB or like a femme presenting person, you are not overreacting. Like that is Mm -hmm. the patriarchy, like telling you that you are overreacting. Like, but that is your afterthought. Do you know what I mean? Because like overreacting is post a react. That is your, after your reaction. And that is like the reflection is like, oh, well, maybe I overreacted. It's like, all you did was react in that situation. But like that little voice in your head afterwards or the commentary from other people, that's what makes you think that you are regretting how you behaved in that situation, which is not warranted. That is the patriarchy in your head being like, oh no, this was not that big of a deal. Or like, oh, this is like, come on. Like, this is like, you flirted. So therefore this, this, and this. But like, your gut isn't wrong in those like instances. Yeah. And you also told him to stop and then he got pissed about it. Yeah. And he's a 35-year-old man. Child. He knows what he's doing. And he's specifically going after you and then like harassing you Mm -hmm. because like you are not interested in him, which he shouldn't even be interested in you. And like, this is why we talk so much about like large age gap relationships that it's like, oh, this person is aware of the power and age that they hold over me. And look, now that it's not going their way, look how they are exerting that power and It is not, oh, you're so mature for your age. We're the same. Like, oh, no, you don't view us. You don't view me as an equal. Like, you view me Mm -hmm. as something that you can, like, treat like shit. Mm -hmm. So, no, I mean, I think that, like, if you're ever uncomfortable in a situation and you don't feel comfortable saying something, doesn't make you the villain, doesn't mean you're wrong at all. But if you say something, that's also not wrong. And, like, if you are comfortable doing that, like, I think that is... It's a good thing, regardless if they're like leaving soon, regardless if they're moving soon. Like you just have to follow that gut instinct because like you're not wrong. You know, he's scum. A Petri dish, if you will. <laughs> Literally. He needs to be like reported, reported. Mm-hmm. Like if the other co-workers are saying they all know there's other people that he's harassed, too. This is not someone that this company should feel safe with having as an employee. Yeah. Disgusting, disgusting. Okay. Last week, we were talking about feminist men and what benefits men reap from it, as well as how men can also be feminists. My boyfriend said he believes he is a feminist because he has two sisters, his mom. He works mostly with women and has knowledge about how they're treated differently. He knows they deserve to be paid more, be in charge of their own bodies, and should be represented equally in society and votes that way. I said I felt like it's very difficult for me to see men as true feminists unless they're actively going against and speaking up about the systems they benefit from, which I felt like I've rarely seen him do. He said it felt like I was negating everything he feels he does to be a feminist, which I understand and I apologize for. I didn't mean it to feel like I was saying who can or can't be feminist, which now I see I was, but it's the way I feel and I said that it could change as I get older. Am I wrong for feeling this way about feminist men? Am I wrong for telling him I felt this way? Both? I'm not super sensitive, so you can lay it on me. And I want to learn how I was wrong if I was. I don't think that you are wrong at all. Me either. I think if you stopped at the, I don't think men can truly be feminist point blank, I wouldn't have argued with you there because I, I think that like, the nuances of you can vote for feminist ideals, you can like hold Mm -hmm. beliefs of equality. But I think that if you are not a part of like the group affected by it, I think it's completely valid to not see straight cis men and people who are benefiting from this same system as uh, your comrades and like equals in said fight. Agree. I think that specifically saying that like, I don't think men can be feminist. And I want to specifically say that like, 
I don't want this to seem like kind of like a turf kind of thing at all. Not at all like that. Not trans exclusionary at all. Cis men. Like that's, we're talking about cis men. And if you are not actively like calling that out in like your day-to-day life and then going out of your way to seek opportunities or instances where you can advocate and not just like, as it comes across your plate, oh, I'm voting and doing all of this. Like, yeah, I think he's a passive, he's (laughs) passively feminist, but like, and him getting upset about that to me, I'm just like, okay, fuck off. Yeah. I mean, it's the same like when someone calls themselves an ally and it's just because they have the ideas but aren't doing anything to move the cause. So like self-appointing yourself for allyship is not it. It's still part of like being a white savior, like having the same white savior complex instead of being an accomplice who's out there fighting the good fight. Same thing. Yeah, it's I'm I'm not like other white people. I'm not like other mm-hmm. men. Like I'm different. And it's like, well, you're mm-hmm. just saying that. And starting it off because and saying that I have a mom. <laughs> like, <can't>. Okay. <laughs> I have sisters. Okay. And like that you could truly like, I'm sorry, you are not a feminist. If that's how you start your conversation, because that could go one of two ways. It could go the way that he let it, or it could go, so therefore, I, of course, respect women. I just don't think they should be paid equally. Like, Mm -hmm. that is the same narrative and defense of, like, all of these, like, conservative, like, white men who are like, no, I I don't hate women. I have a mother. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay. It's giving me that, like, white woman tears thing, that it's like, as soon as you've been kind of called out for being like, well, no, I'm not. Called in is what it is. Called yeah. in. Yeah. Being like, well, no, this doesn't actually, like, I've never seen that. That doesn't align with it. Then it's like, oh my God, you're attacking me. Like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, you're being so mean to me. Like, all I'm doing is helping you're negating all of the work that I have done. And it's like, I'm sorry. Like, you don't get a cookie for voting for someone who believes in equal pay. In the words of Z-Way, like, there are no, there are no cookies in this. Like, mm-hmm. I think him arguing with you about this, like, says enough that it's like, oh, no, you're not interested in, like, how this directly affects me or, like, how this does affect, like, this women in your life. You instead are feeling offended because what you think is helpful and what you think is contributing and being all that stuff is actually not measuring up. And now you're mad. Mm -hmm. And it's not about you. Yep. I don't think you're wrong at all. And I also think that like you saying that who can and cannot be a feminist. No, I would retract said apology, (laughs) like honestly, because you said like you didn't say who can and cannot be feminist. It was like, if you do not practice feminism, you can't be a feminist. It's like, well, you mean that people who don't fit the definition of feminism can't be feminist? That's not fair. And it's like, well, come on. Oh, I can't. (laughs) Anyways, you're not wrong. No, you're not. So we're going to hop into Rachel of the Week, Mm -hmm. also known as But Are They Wrong, where we'll talk about things that are happening currently in the world, pop culture, life, and we'll assign who we think is the Rachel of the Week. So who is yours? Mine is Michael Todd. So you may have not seen that on Sunday, it was trending on Twitter that this pastor of a church in Oklahoma literally brought someone on stage at their, I guess you would say pulpit since it's a church. They brought someone into the pulpit at their church and hawked up a loogie and then rubbed the spit on the person. Never mind that, you know, COVID's going on, but they put their own spit on this person's face. The reasoning behind it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. And then he let out this apology saying it that him doing that took away from his message. Like, why would you do this to begin with? And also, I had directed his audiobook. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. You're kidding. Nope. Oh my God. Wait, I'm like on Google now. And then apparently someone said it's a write-up on this. And it was like, I didn't know why his name was in the headlines. I assumed it would be another instance of Todd questioning the sexual ethics of women who wear leggings or warning his followers that dating is just actually preparation for divorce. And see, I'd never heard of this man. I've never heard of him. Before, I just, it just like came across as, do you want to direct this audiobook? And the audiobook is mostly just about him having like the faith to go out and 
build a church essentially Mm -hmm. and that's it like there's nothing deeper is it the crazy faith one yeah the other one they're referencing with that stuff is a book called relationship goals Mm. so that is something that i have a direct connection to it's timely so i felt like it needed to be discussed today this week rachel the week michael todd wow he has said some horrendous things first of all his apparently the focus of the sermon was faith is nasty but then he also stood in the pulpit and said domestic violence is not a biblical justification for divorce. Holy sh- shit. Yeah. He's an awful person. My Rachel of the week gets my blood boiling. Okay. It's a double whammy. It's a twofer. It's a double homicide. Jamie Lynn Spears. Oh, yeah. I already knew this was going to be yours. Of course. Went on the Call Her Daddy podcast. And I am so livid. So livid. because. First of all, this is my running, I did a tweet too. How long until she goes on Joe Rogan? You know? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. This is just so royally fucked. You get a $60 million fucking Spotify deal. $60 million. You bring on this disgrace? The fuck? You platform her after everybody's already so up in arms and upset that she's writing a fucking book that apparently, I think allegedly, or maybe it was confirmed, was supposed to be called... Like, some fucking Britney Spears song. Like, it was, like, supposed to be the title of that. Like, Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman or something like that. And then everybody was like, the fuck? And so then she, like, changed the name. But, like, this is somebody who we all know has been an active part of emotionally abusing someone. The book, enough. But then you are going to platform her to promote her book? As if it's like this, like, well, I'm going to ask all these questions. And it just like was so infuriating, even just from like the clips of like the sneak peek of it all. It's a two-parter. I didn't listen to it because I refused to give any streams, but I listened to somebody who recapped it. And the first side of it is like just not that wildly interesting. The first episode was just a lot about like childhood and like her life. And it doesn't make any fucking sense because... Why did she write a book? This interview, like, from the clips that I've seen and the recap that this person gave, from what I've heard, it was very much, like, she didn't have answers to any questions. And her being like, well, I don't know. Like, I was just a kid. Like, I don't know. You wrote a whole book on it. Like, she's asking questions that she had after reading the book or, like, about the book. And it was kind of like, hmm, I, I, I don't know. I was just like... She didn't write the no. book. No, and it was like, I was so innocent and all that. It feels like the entire book is this massive PR publicity stunt. And that then you are literally just going on for the numbers and the ratings and like you don't give a shit about what has actually happened. And like, I just think it's so royally fucked. And the fact that like dozens of people had to sign off on this and anyone who thought it was a bad idea was not of the pay grade where they could apparently say anything or they were outnumbered immensely. But it's just like so frustrating to see the representation of uh, women in media and then being like, no, not that woman. (laughs) And like, just drives you crazy because there are so many better people for it, better suited for it, who aren't going to directly harm women in being a woman. And like, that's not the fucking point of this all. Mm -hmm. And like, your, your whole premise and your whole platform doesn't have to be uplifting other women or anything like that. But when you say that it is, and when you are positioned as being that, and you directly do not do that, and between this, you're platforming (laughs) fucking Dave Portnoy, an abuser, and then also Jamie Lynn Spears. And it's just like, so fucked. So I encourage nobody to go listen to it. And I also encourage you to rethink the podcast that you support, because entertainment, like, you have to remember that it that comes at a price. And like, if you have been an avid listener, you are contributing to part of the reason why they got a $60 million deal. Like, that's what happens. Like, support people who you want to succeed and you want to get those opportunities and let go of the hate listening to that kind of stuff. There's like one fucking part where she like is even saying, she's like, so you have this text message for Britney where Britney basically like clears your name and all of that. And in the Britney doc, we find out that her mom has a mirrored iPad. Like, Robin has this mirrored fucking iPad where it was, like, not text messages from Britney pretending to be Britney. And I'm like, have you done any research? And, like, Britney's not doing interviews. Like, she's not going and doing all of this kind of stuff. So she's not going to be able to defend herself. And it feels like if 
like Alex Cooper or whatever the fucking caller daddy whole thing. It's like, it feels like they are baiting Britney to come do an interview on Call Her Daddy. And that's what makes me the most mad. I wouldn't be surprised. No, that's what it feels like. It feels like that intention and that goal is. It's like, how do you how do you get her attention? You have her sister come do it. Yeah. And you let her say things that are completely untrue. You let her go off on all of this kind of stuff that is also like pretty easily disproven. And you're not going to call her out in the moment because you're hoping that she's going to come on and do it herself. Mm-hmm. And I'm mad. And you should be. Leave Britney alone. In the words of Chris Rocker, on it before everybody else, leave Britney alone. And then Jamie has the fucking audacity to be like, oh, just like, I like want to just settle this all together. Like, let's just like talk on the phone. Like, we don't need to do this publicly. And I'm like, you wrote a book. <laughs> what do you mean? She's doing interviews. Yeah. Like, you can't say that you want to do this privately. One of you is sitting in your fucking home, not speaking to the, anyone, only doing release statements on their own Instagram and Twitter in response to the shit that you've done. And one of you is going on Good Morning America and fucking podcasts. Horrendous. <sighs> well, that is it for our episode. <laughs> As always, if you have any things you want us to talk about or things you want us to see, please either send it to us on a DM on Instagram or tag us on TikTok. We have our own personal TikToks, but we also have a podcast one for Don't Blame Me, which you can also use because I just didn't think of the name. Like, to Can you change it? Probably. I'll do it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we would love to hear the things that you want us to talk about. And if you want to send us an email in for the but are you wrong segment send it to but am i wrong pod at gmail.com and uh, we will we will let you know and then you can head on over to our instagram to vote on who you think was wrong in all of these situations also leave a review on the podcast app if you would like to do so we really appreciate it should we read one right now also follow us on instagram our personal ones all right, so this is from Dark Horse 7733. Is it Katy Perry? <laughs> it's Kitty Perry. Love the concept. Very thought-provoking and fun, fun conversations. Thank you. I like you. that. And that was five stars. You know, nice and simple, but very memorable. I know we've read this one before, but like this will sustain me for the rest of my life. Lesbians want them. Trumpies fear them. <laughs> I love that one. We have to put that on. Some, well, I don't know if we can. But I mean, like as a tagline somewhere, like we yeah. can like, I'll pick an Instagram. Or just just like screenshot it and just have it screen printed on a shirt. Yeah, I just love it. Like it's just so, <laughs> it's so good. There are some of those statements that people make that I'm like, you're fucking funny. Yeah, that was great. Okay, well, we hope you all enjoyed and we will circle back. Circle back. Goodbye. Bye. But Am I Wrong is a production by me, Megan Rinks. And me, Melissa DeMonts, plus Diamond Imprint Productions. Post-production by Coco Lorenz. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.